Welcome back to the Sim Geeks podcast. We are your host William Belk and David Shablock. Uh, we we have a couple firsts going on for this episode. For one, it's the first time that we've actually recorded an episode outside. So it is it's like seventy five degrees. It's gorgeous here in Orlando, Florida, and we are sitting on the terrace outside of the convention center uh, because the exhibit hall is closed and we've had to vacate the space that we've housed for the last like four days at this point. Uh, and and the weather is so beautiful that it's almost ironic of how many people's flights have gotten canceled already and will be canceled in the next 24 hours because the snow that's coming in up north. You know, and I was thinking, I was going to say this is also the first episode that we've had an international guest, but as of like two hours ago, that is actually bullshit because we had David Hollowell come and join us this morning. Uh, but we are here with Albert Waller, who is the SIM director for SIM Amsterdam. Uh, we've known Albert for about four years now. We met at another event, another conference a bunch of years ago and have kind of kept in touch over the years. You guys more so than me. So, Albert, give us your background and explain what you do and how you got into simulation. Well, thanks for inviting me on the podcast. It's my first time, so uh, really excited to be here with you guys and meet up again. Um, I'm uh, originally uh, an anesthesia nurse. There's, of course, a little bit of difference within how the anesthesia is organized within the Netherlands and America. Um, and within that program, the residents are mandatory, um, have an obligation to follow team simulation training for at least once every year of their residency. And so we had a program and it was outside our hospital and then it was a big um, reorganization and we started our own little sim center. And I was fortunate enough to be asked by Maartje van Haperen, who is my colleague, um, to join her. And so we slowly started building our sim work. And I'm an anesthesia nurse and then for the sim I'm the program director. So I mainly focus on content, learning objectives, creating the cases, creating new content. I am a CH, CHSOS, which is horrible for non-native English speakers to get out. <laughs> it's not much better for us sometimes. <laughs> Hence why some of the nicknames have come out. Yeah, uh, that's actually where we went from. So more and more development. We started with only anesthesia residents, then staff anesthesiologists joined, then anesthetic nurses joined, then OR scrub nurses joined, and then the surgeons joined, and the perfusionists, and well, the whole hospital slowly starts to join. So how was that process of growing? What struggles were there? Well, we have one, to start with one main advantage we have, and that's the our professor of anesthesiology is a big advocate for this um, educational thought and this educational idea and he already 10 years ago said well I think we need to go to a world where everything that you could practice or learn on something well let's say pl plastic or not human or in any way or form you, we should try to incorporate that we should not let the patient be the first time you do an IV a catheter an intubation or whatever that's how I explain it is, you know, to people that don't do what we do, and it's a, such a hard description, I said, you know, it's a place that we can have the EMS, doctors, physicians, pharmacy, everybody make their mistakes on the plastic people before they have to do them on you. And usually that gets the most head shakes of, oh, yeah, that'd be good. Because, you know, all the doctors up until this point made all their mistakes on real people. Absolutely. And, of course, that's, that's for a large part that still is true. But we're slowly trying to shift the balance 
So because his vision was very clear on that point, that the biggest struggle with everything, of course, is time and money. For us, that's personnel at the moment. And that was it five, six, seven years ago as well. And then you need to convince people to not only provide the people to participate in the training, to be able to really go to team training and not just anesthesia-based training, but and then not only to give the people to perform the training, but also pay for it. Now remind me, and I may I want to make sure you refresh my mind on this, but we when we had a conversation when we first met, you guys were running your sim program in your live operating room, weren't you? Where was that? Was that something you were using either existing hospital space or did you have a dedicated sim space at that time? Both. Okay, that's that's what I thought. So we have a really small, or we have one room sim center, and that is set up as an OR, the same as our normal OR, the same stuff, same anesthesia machine, same laparoscopic procedure stuff, uh, difficult airway cards, etc. And that's solely for the anesthesia and surgical ward training. And then for almost all the other groups we now facilitate, we go to their native space, to call it. And so the emergency bay, PACU, ICU, whatever. So we haven't talked on our show much about inside 2 simulation in the past, right? Which is, it sounds like pretty much what you guys are doing. And not to derail the conversation, but just out of curiosity, what are the steps that you have to take to be, you know, to be safe in those spaces? We can't take SIM equipment or SIM medications in there. Are you using live medications and unexpired equipment? How is it you're going about that? Yeah, well, we tried to go into that area with either expired medication or SIM medication, etc. But we are located, our SIM room itself is located next to the OR theater. The hospital was very clear. You are so close, you are not allowed to stock up on out-of-date medication or fake medication or whatever you want to call it, that we can only use real stuff. I mean, if somebody put, put something in his pocket in the training and goes out and then has a real case and, I mean... Well, and there's been incidents like that here in the U.S. that I'm aware of where we've had, you know, fake medications and fake IV fluids end up in an actual, you know, ward and the outcome was not good. So, I mean, it, it, it can't happen. Exactly. For that reason alone, that's what, I mean, it only has to happen once. So, you know, you and I talked, or all three of us talked right before we started recording this, and, and you were kind of highlighting some differences, both within simulation and just in everyday life. Uh, you know, most of our listeners are here in the U.S. We do have listeners all over the world, but most of them are right here in the United States. Uh, what are those major differences? You've been over to the States a few times now. You're about to make a major move, not quite to the States, but it sounds like coming to North America. So give us, give us a rundown of what those drastic changes are going to be for you. Yeah, well, I think... And we did discuss this a little bit. I think that the major difference between the Netherlands in healthcare and the United States is that over here, for us, it's much more nurse-driven. And we see it at the conference over here as well. A lot of nurse-driven programs, a lot of nurse schools who have really large simulation activities. And in the Netherlands, it's mainly physician-driven. And only when you get enough support from the management layer above you, you can expand that to include nurse anesthetists and scrub nurses, etc. But I feel it's the other way around over here, and that there's much more nurse-driven programs, much more nurse-driven healthcare. I mean, nurses here are, I mean, it's an institution. If you want to be a nurse, it's, for us it feels like, you know, it is a real profession you want to be. There are kids who want to be nurses. In the Netherlands, I think that's not so much. 
and you want to be a doctor. I think that will be one of the big changes for us and we're moving to Toronto. So I'm really interested to see they have a sort of mixed version of healthcare uh, as an organization side uh, as the anesthesia department is concerned. They have the NHS system from England. So I'm really interested to see, especially my wife who will be working there as an anesthesiology fellow, to see how she will cope and find a change between our system where you always have two people, an anesthesia nurse and an anesthesiologist per case, compared to this system. So you and I have met and, and had a very, very good kinship over projects, building things and, and all things sim nerdism and sim geekism, if you were. What are some of the projects you've built? Describe some of those, the, the catheterization and, and just I'll let you talk about that. Let's be clear. I mean, I've learned from you that there has to be one thing very clear for every build and that needs to be the learning goal. Correct. The learning objective. Yep. Let's get that out of the way so we have that on podcast. (laughs) It's your fault. (laughs) I'm okay with this. Yeah, I thought you might be. That's what I've been trying to incorporate and that's where the builds, builds we have done come from. And the first one is a real simple one and of course we sort of adjusted on what we could find on the internet because we help each other. The community is really nice. We build an IV trainer and especially for ultrasound because uh, there was just a practical wish from the anesthetic nurses to be trained in that and then coming back to the how do you create large exposure without using a lot of patients we needed a task trainer i've been practicing with a few ones and there are of course a few commercial ones and they are very very expensive yes i mean the, the, the blue phantom i think is 750 for us a piece And then you can't aspirate and you can't, I mean, it works with ultrasound, but that's almost about it. It's for placement mainly. The the learning objective, if you were, is placement and you needed some advanced things. Well, maybe not even that more advanced, but especially more cheap. (laughs) Because 750 for, you know, we have uh, 70 anesthesia nurses. If you would want to train them all and you poke those things a few times and they're done. Um, so what we did, we got uh, just normal food gelatin and mixed it up with uh, fiber, uh, included some Amazon uh, latex tubing, and I got some containers at a dollar store equivalent in the Netherlands, uh, threaded the new latex veins through it, poured in the gel, and it was fine. It was ultrasoundable, we could flush and even you know with two syringes just very easily create an artificial uh, arterial and venous flow and pulse so people could differentiate on the ultrasound all right this is the one i want this is not the one i want this one has a pulse style flow i'll go for the venous one and they would perform the ultrasound guided iv placement and then they get a flush when they were in the right place and they could insert the whole catheter and the fun part is when you're done you get the container, you put the gelatin back in, you put it in a microwave, and all the holes are gone. And you can use it again. Exactly. And I think we got to five euros for so five dollars for one case. And that's and you can actually expand that and do that. Absolutely. It fits into the budget so much better. But some of your bigger projects, though, for in situ, you've done was it uh, arterial catheterization, the ECMO, and yeah, we started I think in. 2019 with um, cardiac surgery sim and that was a really interesting time because there was uh, as usual uh, no time to create 
uh, there was in this unique case there was a little bit of budget uh, and we had no idea so that was a really nice combination there were the learning objective was very clear we need to start team training where we incorporate the full cardiac thoracic suite in there so perfusionist OR scrub nurses dedicated OR scrub nurses for the cardiac ward the surgeons the residents from them and then the anesthesia uh, side so we needed cases that everybody could participate something of course not every case needs to be anesthesia based or perfusion based but every part of them need to have some learning goals met during those sessions in a professional education, IPE. Absolutely. Within Situ, because if I remember right from the video, and if, if we're allowed to share that, I, I'd love to link the video. Of course. You know, you even roll the patient down the hall, into the suite, you're doing, and that's what's amazing about it is. And that's our SimCent. And that video was just mind-blowing as far as how detailed and how you rapidly built something that met learning objectives for a massive interprofessional education center. And it's just and it's just neat to see. Yeah. It was a great job. You, I, I love, like, the build-up. So anybody that doesn't know you, obviously, if there are Instagram people, Sim Amsterdam has an account, and they share a lot of what they do. They're very collaborative. I've pulled you in on a lot of projects, and... You're just a big member of this community. Yeah, I think I think I addressed this a little bit already. It is a big community, and if you don't know how to do something, there is somebody who will already uh, have has figured it out. So ask around. Well, and I think the, the the big takeaway here is, despite the drastic differences between where you're at and where you're working, and where we're at and we're working, we all face similar challenges, right? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you, you were just explaining how we have to get innovative because we don't necessarily have the budget to purchase all the solutions that are out there. That's no different from any sim center here or any sim center in other countries like Mexico or Nigeria or wherever else, right? There's all these locations, and all of us face the same problems. We have a goal. We need to obtain it. We can't really afford the commercial solution at times, and maybe we can, but no matter what, we have budget constraints, and sometimes that forces us to get a bit creative. Yeah, and I, th I think that actually is a really good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Because just going for the commercially available solution might not really fit your learning objectives, but it's the quick and dirty way to do it, if, the, if you have the money and the resources. I mean, of course, we've bought some th stuff as well. Always, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're going to budget for what you can, and then yeah. sometimes we just have to create solutions otherwise. Absolutely. So that, that's, um, and we did the first build in 2019, and now we're at version 3. Point, I don't know anymore. What, what's your favorite uh, material you've described, you've found in in this journey of creating? Like, because you didn't have, did you have a tinkering background and a building background? No. Nope. No. So this is all new for your industry. And so what is your favorite material that you got to play with? Oh, flex foam by a mile. Yeah. I love the stuff. Yeah. So you're using a lot of Reynolds stuff. I, I, and so here's the thing. So you, you get smooth on. Yeah. What's the distributor called? Uh, Formix. For, oh, you're buying Formex. Got it. Yeah, I follow them. There's a shop in Amsterdam, so yeah. that's the easiest for us. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Here, our Formex is Reynolds Advanced Material, who is here. So their new clay is neat, but not for this, this time to talk. <laughs> so talking about differences in simulation, what, w what would you say that, uh, you know, other than physician-led and things like that, what are the things that you see here that there are just a difference there to here? Well, you, the, the first time we came over here, we thought about simulation as high-fidelity team 
training. That was our definition. And then we came over here and then you walk on the expo floor and you attend sessions. And then you learn that the definition gets broader and broader and broader and broader. And so you include standardized patients and task trainers and all those kind of areas we, have, we hadn't even discovered before. And um, that is something that is way bigger in America than in the Netherlands. We, we don't, I mean, nursing schools or anesthesia department. When I was being trained for an anesthetic nurse, no simulation. Not for an IV. We, we didn't even have an IV arm. You've been over here several times, and we talk about, in the United States, the cost of coming to a, 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 a conference like this, the travel, the which is exponentially more for you, but yet you you still see the, the serious value in coming here to these events. Yes, and I think the, the, the value shifts. You start with the sessions and the expo hall and you get overwhelmed. I, we have three colleagues with us uh, for this trip who have never been and they are, well, as we were probably the first time we came, uh, overwhelmed with the vendors, with all the possibilities. You want all the new gadgets you see immediately. Tesla suit. <laughs> I mean, we wanted the dog, we wanted everything we see on the, on the floor and I have to... I mean, it's not the fun part to discourage them for some of the ideas they get from the floor, but you know, that's part of it. But And now slowly it shifts to some more dedicated sessions. And you know, let's be honest, this these moments, um, not all on podcast, luckily, because I think then <laughs> the rating would be uh, more than explicit. But you know, these are the moments I think for me are where the value lies. I fully agree. This is, I mean, there's so much value out of everything, but to me, it's the networking, the interconnection, the meetings and things like that. And, you know, I, I don't, we don't get to see you that often. So it's very important. Yeah, there's a significant number of people here who we see once a year, right? We communicate yeah. with throughout the year, but this is our one time we get to see them face to face. We get to do things like this. We get to sit down. Uh, and even then... There are more people here than I could possibly find time for in two and a half days, three days. Like there, there are people that I haven't seen in a year that I've said hello to in passing, and we're just not going to have time to connect this week. It's, it's going to happen. And it just gives us so much guilt. When we, we've been recording on the show floor, and people come by, and they wait for a little while, and I'm like, I really want to talk to you, but I'm also doing this. And, and we hate to disappoint anybody, but we love when people come by and say hi. We've m met people that I've only seen, you know, uh, names of on the Internet. You know, and Mike Hilliard I, it was one, and, and, you know, there's other people that I are just meeting for the first time here. Wonderful, amazing people. And how many, how many times is this for you that you've come over? Well, I think we started here. And of course, for the people who don't know, the conference moves around and it has a set pattern. Um, so we did the whole pattern. Uh, we started Orlando, LA, San Diego, San Antonio, and then COVID, yeah. COVID, yeah. and then we skipped one. Uh, and now we're here back. So I think it's five or six for us. Yeah, because you weren't in Los Angeles last year, were you? No, we skipped LA. That's right. That was still the height of a lot of a mess at the time. Yeah, we, we, could, uh, we couldn't really make, you know, it, it was very uncertain, of course. So planning was hard and then last minute scheduling and rostering for, I mean, we're all clinicians. So every single one from the Sim Center is working on the floor. So still practicing every day. Practicing medicine and anesthesia. So what percentage of... of 
your job would you say is sim and what would you say is still practicing patient care officially <laughs> yes you want the you want the uh, hr answer uh, i think 25 or 50 percent of my time i'm sim okay and the other 50 75 i'm anesthesia and you know those are the hours that are on the contract yep and then there's the rest of the week right <laughs> so the, i don't think that's any different for anybody uh, now now we do we we tend to put a lot more in no and a i lot think more uh, in. well and coming here you see what that gets you yes it is it's this is the battery recharge this is the inspiration and yeah definitely well and and you know to be fair to for, at least for me it's there is validation it is it's not just you know nice to talk to everybody but it's nice to see that uh, there are shared values and that you create a mindset together worldwide someone's having fun driving yeah, a couple of guys drag racing out here in front of the convention center. With loud, obnoxious mufflers. <laughs> so that, that's, that's one of the biggest perks for being here. Yeah, and, and I would agree with that. There, there's times where I come here and I feel like, oh my God, we have this problem and we're struggling from it. And then you get here and everyone else is saying the same thing. You're like, okay, well, we're not alone. Everyone else is dealing with this, and, and it's okay that we haven't found the, the correct solution yet because no one else has either, and we, it's something else that we can work on. Yep. Um, but, yeah, it definitely, like you said, it's validating to come out and hear that the problems we have are the same problems you're having, you know, I don't know, 12,000 miles away or whatever it is, right? Uh, and so there, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of communication that goes on in the week that we're here. There's a lot of sharing of ideas. There's also a lot of sharing of complaints and, and other issues. And yeah. so to see that we're all in the same boat is, is refreshing. I'm not crazy, am I? <laughs> you know, you have that conversation like, well, you're crazy, yeah. but on this topic, on this topic, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, Albert, this has been fun, man. We've been talking about this for a while, trying to get you on. And, and you know, just like we talked with David earlier, uh, sometimes it's just nicer to be in person because we could do this via Zoom as well. But the time difference and everything else, just being here with you, man, this, is, this has been a good time. It's been an absolute pleasure and honor to be here with you. It is awesome to get to see you again. I'm glad we're able to and, and meet your amazing team. Really wish Tom was here. Oh, well, he will be next year. That sounds lovely. Yeah, next year we'll be, you know, a whopping like 2,500 miles that way. We'll be back in San Diego, right? Yeah, I think that's where it is. Yeah, I think so. I cannot wait for next year. I hope to join you again. I hope you do. All right, so for the Sim Geeks podcast, my name is David Shoplock. And I am William Belk. We appreciate you listening. Thank you. Good night.